This is Gracie, one of your hosts on the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. I'm excited to share this episode about recovering from teacher burnout with you. First, I want to share a little bit more of my story and how it relates to the guests that we're interviewing today. For years, I coached individuals on their self-care and wellness and was amazed to see how making simple habit changes had the power to transform my clients' lives. During that time, I was contacted by a local Montessori public charter school in my Washington, D.C. neighborhood. They asked if I would lead a self-care workshop for their teachers, which turned into multiple years of working with their staff on creating a true culture of wellness at their school. They also asked me to lead a workshop for their families, which I was happy to do. Our guest for today's episode, award-winning world language teacher Chiara Monticelli from Hardy Middle School, attended that workshop. At the time, she was a new mom and a DC teacher and was looking to increase her self-care skills. I've been so lucky to get to work with Chiara on her self-care over the years and watch her begin facilitating her own educator wellness workshops. By now, the tables have turned and she has taught me so much about how to recover from and prevent burnout as a teacher and how to use outside-the-box teaching techniques to infuse her day with more self-care and connection to her students. In this episode, we discuss perfectionism and how it causes extra stress for teachers, the particular human giver demands on teachers who are parents and how flexible scheduling can help, how breaking the rules by having a deskless classroom and using more non-evaluative feedback for students can give teachers more energy, and much more. Speaking with Chiara always gives me lots of energy and hope. I'm excited for you to get to know her too. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. We are back with another episode of the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. Woo! And we're super excited about our guest that is with us today. Chiara Monticelli is a middle school teacher at Hardy Middle School in D.C., and she is an Italian teacher. She is an accomplished teacher. I'll let her share a little bit more about that. And she's also a wonderful human being who is teaching other educators about self-care and wellness and what that means. So we're very happy to have you here, Chiara. Thank you. I'm very happy and honored to be here. Very grateful, Gracie and Scott. <laughs> well, we would like to start just by hearing a little bit more of your story as an educator, as an educator who cares about self-care. And so how did you really discover the importance of self-care to be able to continue your teaching profession? I would say it started during the pandemic. The pandemic was a very difficult time for teachers, of course, well-known and the fact that it was so hard to relate with my students because of the barrier of the virtual learning pushed me to try and find new ways to interact and ways to reinvent myself. And yet at the same time, because of what was going on in the world, I was also developing a lot of anxiety that rippled into my work. I was feeling very unhappy about not being able to see the faces of my students because unless they chose to turn on their camera, I wouldn't see them. And sometimes it felt very much like talking to a void. And I felt that void in my heart as well because something that really gives me energy and happiness about my job is being with my students. I mean, it's the most important thing for me. And so not being able to be with them in person and everything that was going on with the pandemic and here in DC with the attacks on the Capitol put me in a position of anxiety. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety 
and and I was feeling that I wasn't serving my students well. And I, between drowning and burning out and rising to the occasion, I decided to rise to the occasion. And so I contacted you, Gracie, because you facilitated meeting at my children's school. And I started the self-care journey with you because I was feeling that between giving to my students and giving to my own children, being present as a mother during the pandemic was really took everything that I had out of me. And I had to be a positive presence for my students during online learning. And it wasn't easy because I wasn't feeling positive, (laughs) but I still had to show up and be there and try to be present with them because, because they needed that. But I also needed it for myself. And so I needed to find a place where I could get it for myself and Since I wasn't getting it from my students, I realized if I want to find that energy from within, I really have to sit through the uncomfortable journey (laughs) of self-discovery and do it both personally and professionally. Because Gary, you raised something so interesting that like I think it's been totally undercovered about the effect of the pandemic on teachers which is like the feeling of not being with the students in person I mean there's been a lot of focus on the virtual in a lot of different ways but one of the things I feel like was a really strong impact was teachers get their energy by being with the students and feeding off their energy and that's kind of what propels you to keep doing it every day and so the draining of energy by not being with them and the void that the computer right could produce I think you know teachers all felt that really deeply you said you decided at some point right to to kind of go on this self-care journey you decided to to come out on the side of stepping up, right, to the occasion. Was that like a singular moment for you? Was there something that happened that propelled that decision? Was it the accumulation of a lot of things? I would say both. So the the summer of 2020, that's when I really started hitting a wall because I feel that up until May, when we were virtual and we were showing up, us teachers were very good at suppressing what we need because we're serving a greater purpose of being present with our students. And so I was suppressing those uncomfortable feelings, the fear, the anxiety. And then in the summer, when I didn't have anyone to take care of, it sort of, it came out. Mm-hmm. And, and I started having insomnia, which is something very new for me, mild anxiety. And I took some steps over the summer to overcome these difficulties, but I felt that in that moment, that was a signal of, okay, you need to attend to yourself because both of my kids were okay. We were vacationing at my mother-in-law's place and I couldn't go back to Italy. I couldn't see my family, you know, like the social contacts were very, very limited. I just felt like that was the moment where everything sort of came up to me and and I was lucky enough because I had signed up for a training with a group called Organic World Language that is a very in, innovative group about pedagogy. I teach in a deskless and chairless classroom yes. and a lot of their focus of the OWL group is of course the whole child, but it's also the whole teacher. And so one of the things that they were really encouraging us 
to do was to take care of ourselves yeah. and and find ways to to take care of ourselves and during that training i it was like the very first month of school i thought about gracie and i reached out probably like a couple of months afterwards i think right before actually january 5th yeah. yeah, I remember that. But, and, I, and I'm thinking about how great and awesome. And I really want to applaud you for like feeling all those feelings and then doing something about it. Because I think that the, that uh, people get really stuck in the feelings and like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling this. And then like, we don't we get kind of paralyzed to be like, what can I do next? Or how do I do it? Cause it can feel so big in those moments of like, well, how do I focus on my wellness and what are the tangible steps? And I, I know that you like to teach about something called human giver syndrome. And I'm curious, like, how this first can you define what human giver syndrome is and then I'm wondering how like for teachers in particular how this like idea of being a giver all the time can get in the way of actually taking action to make self-care change for yourself yes well I mean you said it the human giver syndrome is basically what us teachers and parents (laughs) suffer from which is like you know we keep giving to others to the point you know like maybe initially it makes us feel good about ourselves, but then we forget that it's also we need to take to to nurture ourselves from the people that we're giving to. And it becomes a syndrome where we basically to the point of where where we give to the point of depleting ourselves completely and we don't have any more to give. And I see that all the time at schools like teachers that work insane hours, like they sh- they come at school at 7 a.m. and they leave at 6 p.m. Teachers that have children and families like me or elderly parents that they need to take care of, like it's a constant giving to, to others. And, and we burn out because, because there's no one that tells us, you know, you need to stop to take care of your your needs because if you don't take care of your needs no one will and and what I appreciated from the journey that we did together Gracie was that I found what my needs really were because I thought that my self-care needs were, you know, maybe I can get a massage once in a while or get my nails done once in a while well that was more of indulgence in some ways, like because the intention was not really to do deep self-care, but it was more surface temporary relief. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I always want to say that the nails are really nice and the massages are nice, but, like, but if you're not doing the deeper, like listening to yourself, like I really, I really do think it's like, I, you have to like recognize one that you have needs. That you can't just give and give and give that you have boundaries that you like have places where you have to stop and take care of yourself. And then to like have the skills to tune in, to be like, what, what am I feeling? What do I need? Like, how do I, and to like have some practices that, you know, give you energy back. And that can sound really simple, but again, in those moments where we just, where we're overwhelmed or anxious, like it can just feel so hard to listen to ourselves. Yeah. I think a key word is intention. Like if my intention is to 
really take a moment and pause and nurture myself through a massage or a, a cup of hot tea or a sip of water or getting my nails done, then then that's that's true. That's real self-care because I'm basically taking the time to be with myself rather than doing something because it's what society tells me that as if I want to appear beautiful, then I need to get my nails done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's, I mean, there's just so much of, I mean, the, even finding the space to do that level of self-care where you're taking care of yourself is really hard, right? For, for teachers in their day, let alone teachers who are parents. I'm curious how that just like, how do you feel like the two compound upon each other, right? I mean, as a, someone who was a teacher and a parent at the same time, and we lose a lot of teachers who are, who become parents, right? Because they're in some ways doing double of, right? All the things you just said, the giving, but also their time is right even more challenging and making space for themselves is even more challenging. So yeah, I'm just curious you, how you feel like that compounds things, but also, you know, if there's some remedy in it too, in the, in the double role. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's a great question. I was very fortunate. I was very privileged that when I became a mother, I was able to take a part-time position and I was able to held, hold on to that part-time position until two years ago. I had the time. Yeah. I might not have had the, the same financial availability that I have now that I'm working full-time, but I had the time because, because I decided to make the choice to work part-time. And you were able to do that at your school? Yes. So my the principal that hired me at DCPS in 2012 offered me the part-time position and I had just given birth to my first child. So principals after her asked me pretty much every year if I wanted to go full-time mm -hmm. and I kept pushing back and yeah. being a teacher that is very responsive and, you know, very active in the school, despite my part-time position, I was able to keep that going. And then when my daughter, my second turned six, my principal asked me if I were ready, <laughs> if I was ready to go to full-time and I was. So yeah. now that I am full-time, how do I juggle still being a parent? Of course, my children are no longer young very young and but i i have no family members near nearby because my yeah. family is in italy my mother-in-law is 91 <laughs> mm -hmm. so she can't really help us my husband is is wonderful i wouldn't be able to do what i do without him that's why anytime i have won an award for my profession i've always thanked him because he has really stepped up to the role of taking care of some of the things that I used to do when I was working part-time. Yeah. So now just, I'm able to, to do these things. Just the fact that you were able to have that schedule for some time is amazing. It's one of the things we're advocating for a lot now for that kind of job flexibility, especially for new parents. And want to see, see more of that just to give yourself the space and to do it even within a system that can be bureaucratic within your own space, with your own principle, to be able to work that out, to give you the space you needed at that point in life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it wasn't always financially very 
feasible, but it was it was honestly the best choice because working and working working part time was not exactly easy all the time because sometimes I felt like I was working a full-time load on a part-time salary but I did have the flexibility to leave school like you know I worked from eight until 12 and so at 12 I was done I could go home take care of what needed to be done including some self-care practices Um, so I would say the time flexibility but then sometimes the work would catch up with me and I had to put a couple of days of full-time work. Yeah. I, I've always really admired and listening to you talk about your, your experience of being a DCPS teacher of the ways that you, I think you found a lot of creativity in order to be able to work within a system that has a lot of constraints to find what, to make it more workable for you. And some of that I know is like, the way that you evaluate your students, the way that you set up your classrooms. I, I'd like to just hear more about how you how you frame that for yourself to be able to, you know, to insert yourself into a position where I think a lot of people don't feel like there's a lot of room to do things differently. Mm. Well, uh, <laughs> I know this is funny, but I'm not great at following rules. And I think that's why in some ways I enjoyed my part-time. It was because... Like I had to follow the rules from eight to 12 and then I was done. (laughs) Because of that, when I decided to take the full time, I needed something that would help me in some ways take the structure off. And, And I've always been a very untraditional teacher. I prioritize relationship with my students always, even before starting the self-care journey, even before my training with organic word language. But I feel that with organic word language, what that training has given me is really that freedom within the, the structure of using my all of my resources to... to take down some walls and some of the structures. So starting with the physical structures of the desks and chairs, why do we need the desks and chairs in the classroom? And I realized like, I really don't need the desks and chairs because I want to stand up and play games with my students, have fun. In my particular subject area, I'm an Italian teacher, we do, the classroom environment is immersive, so it's 100% in Italian. And the physical aspect of the pedagogy in the target language is essential to build that vocabulary at the beginning. So like we need to move around, we need to be able to mimic things that we want to say to build meaning and so that you can get language. So that's that's one of the things, like really taking down the, the physical barrier. I had a very supportive administration that was, when I went to, when I asked my principal if I could get rid of the desks and chairs, he was absolutely on board. Not only that, but he gave me another classroom <laughs> that I'm happy to show you if you want, by the way, that has no desks and chairs, that only was, it was an old music classroom that had carpet, has carpet on the floor. And he was so supportive, Mr. Cook, my old principal, and embraced, he saw my vision and embraced it and was always very supportive. So 
about the the students grading also that's something that we talked together as well with the administration because I wanted to do a proficiency based grading rather than performance and the world language world is very advanced in terms of pedagogy and how we grade the skills that the students have to show at each at each level so there is a lot of support from the world language research as well so it was very easy for me to bring that to my principal because I was backed up by a lot of studies and researches. And it's been revolutionary as well, like as much as the, the desks and chairs, like the students no longer feel threatened. They want to take risks. They feel safe in my class because they know that they, as long as they, they do their best, which I know it sounds rhetorical, but but it's it's real. I was just talking to my students about that. I was giving them a, a, a test back and I said, does an A look the same for you and the two people sitting next to you? And they said, no, because they have different brains and some students already have achieved yeah. you know, this much and some students are here and some students are here. Well, it's really what's really interesting is you, what you're doing for your students is in some way what you need your principals right to do for you so that you can be bold enough right to do things that you know are going to succeed or you know are going to work. I mean, I think that's a lot of what we're you know we're trying to get at. I mean, with in in each case you're talking about whether it's the configuration of the room or your pedagogical approach to language teaching you've been able to take a risk with a little bit of your own chutzpah and a little bit of the principal's willingness and the principal's openness to it, doing your research, coming prepared to make your case and make your proposal for why this way is going to work, but also being given the flexibility as long as the end right is there, they can see what you're going to accomplish with it. And then you're giving that same agency to the students, right? Which is like, you know, if they're putting in the effort, they're doing the right thing, you're giving them flexibility and how they get there too. And I, I think it just speaks to a, such an important lesson about education, which is that we think about our teachers and what the best practices is for letting them uh, use their professional authority to teach the way they know how to teach the same way that we give multiple avenues and paths for students when we're at our best, right? To make sure we're doing that on both sides. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That's that's exactly what it is. Like I, I asked for something that I was ready to give. To my students yeah. that I think is it is what ultimately the, the whole child pedagogy is about. It's being able for them to discover who they are and, and I can as the teacher facilitate that. So yeah. which is what I wanted from my principal <laughs> to discover who I am as a teacher, what I'm capable of. I think this is an appropriate moment to brag on you, Kiara, that you can you talk about some of the awards that you've won over the past couple of years, just to show that this is not airy fairy stuff, that it actually has some results too. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So at the end of 2021, I'm sorry, I was awarded with the teacher of word language teacher of the before that I also received the Copeland Global Programs Award, which is also given by the global office of DCPS, while the World Language Teacher of the Year Award is given by the World Language Program of DCPS. 
And last year, I was among the finalists for the Standing Ovation Teacher of the Year DCPS Award. And I also got an award from the Italian Embassy as cultural uh, for the contributions. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the word in Italian and it's hard to translate. (laughs) For contributions, actually, I have it right here. for contributions in teaching and promoting the Italian language. <laughs> this is my most recent. <laughs> Beautiful award, yes. Thank you. Yes. And I know that we you do not do it for the awards, but I, I, I want to just point out that I, and, I, and I'd love to hear you speak about perfectionism because I think that, you know, a lot of us out there, we, like you want to do your best, you want to be the best teacher you can be, you want to be recognized. And and I think the way that a lot of us approach it is like, I have to work really hard and do it this way and kind of ace the system. But I, I see you kind of actually doing your best by like looking at your perfectionism and working with that. So can you speak a little bit about perfectionism and teaching and how you've learned how to work with that to be the teacher that you are? Yes, <laughs> that's a huge one. <laughs> that's a huge one. Yeah. Before I, you know, like before the pandemic, I was so convinced that to be a really good teacher, I had to have my my desks needed to be all cleaned, my lesson plans needed to be perfect. And I would always get angry at myself for grading things late, for not planning well enough, for detailed enough. So I always thought I need to get more, I need to get more. And 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 to see that instead when i decided like no this is just not who i am i am not the um magazine a beautiful desk <laughs> clean type of teacher i am like i am i'm a, a messy teacher but as a way of, of truly accepting myself rather than than going at myself mm. and i think that though in some ways it's also the system with all the demands that they put on us. Like, for example, in DCPS, we get evaluated with impact and there are all those essential practices. And if you look at everything that they say, like what I thought at the beginning was like, okay, I need to have all the lesson plans and the objectives and the standards and the the grading done. And, and it, And instead, it's like within those essential practices, there is some flexibility. Of course, it also depends on the administration that evaluates you, how much in details they want to go about each one of these practices. But in general, I've been very fortunate that my administration that has evaluated me really understood the value of what I've been trying to do in the last two years. And so last year, I I scored a four on impact, which is like I never received a four on impact. And so it was, it's kind of counterintuitive to think that when I decided to embrace my imperfection, that's when I started. Oh, I love that though. Because, I mean, that, that's another thing, right? Where it's like, you know, for like, we think about like how we test students and things, right? And, you know, you can, you can just prepare them the standard way you're supposed to prepare them. This is what the questions look like on the test and let's get ready for it. And then that's the way you're going to pass. But there's a lot of research that actually, if you embrace like their way of their way of learning, if you do things differently in ways that engage them, that ultimately getting them engaged in learning, right. Is going to, yeah. yeah, it's going to improve that outcome. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
it, you don't have to walk a straight line to the, the thing you see at the end, right? So no, I, exactly. Because there are so many ways to get to the end result. Yeah. You know, like there are so many ways to resolve a, a math problem or to write a, a history page because there are so many points of view. So I feel that there is there is there is a there is a dichotomy between you know what society tells us about who we should be and how we should act as teachers as students and who we really are you know and and what we really want to accomplish with our students as well like for me the relationship is is my goal the academic is, of course, part of it, and the, my subject matter, I love it. It's it's my language, it's my culture, um, but my goal is to build a relationship with my students, build community, and help them discover who they can be through my subject matter, rather than taking the the standards of the subject and saying, this is how you should be, and this is who you are, and you are not good because, because you're not like this. So, like, okay, this is what the, the, whatever standard says you should know by the end of this time frame, and however you get there, it's, it's in your own way. And so breaking up of that perfectionist, that perfectionism, that standard, it gives so much freedom. And as I said, my students are enjoying the classroom to new levels to the point like for me, the biggest accomplishment is when the siblings <laughs> want to come because <laughs> it means that the kids have spoken well and the families have have talked you know, like I also love to get to know the families of my students. Mm. It's a special journey. Sorry, I, I know it was a little. No, it's no, it's perfect. It's <laughs> I mean, it's it's perfectly perfect. It's so good that I really I, I I feel a lot of inspiration and life in what you're sharing. And I kind of like I when I, we talk about this educator wellness revolution, I'm like, this feels like the revolution. What you're talking about is like, how do we break out of the systems that really aren't serving anybody, so people can you know become more whole human beings and support each other and and really learn and grow. And so I, I I'd love to close this conversation by. Like if there is a teacher out there right now who's feeling maybe somewhere between drowning and burned out, like you were saying, but it feels like some spark of inspiration of what you're saying. Like what, what, what advice or what would you say to this teacher who is just really trying to like reclaim their love of teaching and, and like stay in, stay in the profession because they love it, but they're feeling really stressed. Like as a short-term solution, I would say take those sick days like if you're feeling burnout, it means that it's probably you need to take a break. Like if if your heart is demanding that, you know, like you, you take a pause because sometimes we do need a pause. We need we need to gain some perspective. And during that time, don't binge watch Netflix <laughs> or do it for maybe a day. <laughs> but like. For me, a great source of inspiration is always to talk to my colleagues, you know, to really reach out to my colleagues too, to see, to share. Don't keep your, your story on what's going on for yourself, but to share it with, 
with your with your family, with your colleagues, if you trust them, if possible, if you have a mentor, to find a mentor, to find a community of like-minded teachers. That was our was for me was to find it was really a community of like-minded teachers teachers that wanted to do things differently and because there is so much support and at the same time if you're the only one in your school like me that wants to do things differently you need someone else that tells you like keep going you're doing the right thing and like you know reaching out to empower ed for example that's a great community of like-minded teachers and you know maybe finding plc communities where you can exchange your your opinions you know if you feel that there is like me you experience anxiety I also have a therapist, so finding some support there as well, that's very important. But we really can't afford to lose motivated teachers. So we need to, as as Brene Brown says, you know, we need to own our, our own history. You know, we need to take it. And, and knowing that we're not alone, we all experience, even teachers that have won awards or that are successful that we all experience burnout at some point that we all feel depleted and to remember to replenish ourselves as a practice as a, as a daily practice even if it's it sounds daunting um but it's not because it's really nurturing yourself so you should treat yourself as the parent of yourself. And so nurture yourself. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Chiara Monticelli, Hardy Middle School Italian teacher extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chiara. No, thank you, guys. I mm, appreciated our conversation. Me too. And, you know, just to remember anyone who's listening out there that just this, these conversations themselves, I hope they do feel like self-care to you because it is a chance to really talk about the things that matter, to talk about the things that get in the way of our wellness, to be honest. And that, so just whatever you are feeling spark of inspiration, like, you know, explore that and know that you can come back here and keep sharing because we have to do this together. As Kira said, this is a community. So thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Kiara. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at weareempowered. That just looks like weareempowered.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and TikTok with the same handle as EmpowerEdDC or visit us at WeAreEmpowerEd.org. Thanks again. We are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy. Mm-hmm.